Hello, this is the 12th episode of the Coffee and Pens podcast and the final one of this year. Today we're listening to Laura Vermeer's story. Laura is an old friend of mine from my uni days, and she's just published a book about her personal struggle with an eating disorder. So this talk is about her quote with Dormain Eidsdorners, her book, mental health, inspiration, and other product ideas. You'll notice that we start about mental health, and then I cut Laura short, because I wanted to talk about her book first. We do go back to mental health later on, from minute 25 onwards. And one more thing before we start. The podcast summaries on coffeeandpens.com have been called the best show notes ever by not one, but two of the past interviewees. Have you checked them out? Hey Laura, you recently published your first book. What's it called? What is it about? Uh, it's called um, Caged by My Eating Disorder, but then in Dutch. Um, and it's actually about, yeah, my eating disorder. <laughs> um, it's a bit my trajectory over the past uh, two years and a half. Mm-hmm. But I also give uh, tips and tricks for people suffering from an eating disorder and also for their environment. And that's quite innovative in that way that... Um, my boyfriend is also talking in the book, as well as my parents and a few experts who give their opinion. And it's kind of like a self-help book. So both people suffering from it as their parents can um, resort to it to find useful tips if they don't want to go into a hospital or uh, a center which, which where they yeah, lock you up, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's with recipes, it's with exercises, it's with um, yeah my story, um, professionals talking, giving some more insights in the disease, and like people think that an eating disorder is mostly um, refusing to eat um, or not liking food, but that's mm-hmm. not the case at all. So it's way it goes way beyond that. It goes way deeper, and I try to. Uh, break the shame a bit and talk about it um, yeah. to make it yeah because mental health is very important nowadays even more mm-hmm. and I, I try to focus uh, on that so that more people become aware of it and that more help can be provided because that's necessary yeah that's great um, and I read your book um, and even though it doesn't apply to my life of, or people around me I think it was a very compelling story so it's well written and everything and I want to go into a few things that I read a little bit deeper and I want to Mm -hmm. start with um, the very start of your book the very start of your journey and it's where you tell that you wanted to go to Mexico to Colombia to South America because you wanted to escape the like typical life that we have here like we say like hey shit don't you can't you and everything like that's something that you didn't want how has this entire experience uh, changed you do you still feel the same that was the best experience of my life uh, honestly it's, it's such a cliche to, to say but mm-hmm. um i just booked my one-way ticket to mexico i was 20 something uh, i think i was 22 years old and i booked this one-way ticket not knowing where i would end up and how for how long i would be gone but that felt like the right thing to do because i felt like I didn't really have a place here in Belgium where I live. I've always felt it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go abroad for a very long time. And after my studies, that the per- yeah, it was a perfect timing. Um, 
I hate the typical routine here and the rat race we are in. Um, and that was my way out. Um, so I traveled to Mexico and then I ended up um, months later in Ecuador and then even in Asia um, before I came back to Europe. Um, and the reason I came back uh, was because of an ex-boyfriend. Uh, yeah, which was a very bad decision because three weeks later we broke up. So I had come back for nothing. To yeah, be, that's a yeah. shame. That was a total waste. So I am still wondering now it's three, no, four years later, and I'm still wondering what would have happened if I had stayed there, would have, have not developed eating disorder because when I got back, it's, it all started because I didn't really fit in here anymore. And uh-huh. I, I, I had lost so many things and I realized that South America was a place that I wanted to live and that I felt at home and um here yeah I, I i just didn't fit in i i lost many friends um i didn't feel good with my family i um i didn't really have a job here or or at least not a job that i liked mm-hmm. um yeah so i i didn't see why it was useful to be here and then yeah i think that's when my eating disorder um must have uh developed uh-huh. although Back then, it was still not an eating disorder. It's just I started doing sports a lot and I started eating even more healthily. Um, I was a vegetarian already, but yeah. I yeah I went further in that and it all exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, when you were in South America, you already started doing some writing and making some videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's called from France and the Nomaden, is that correct? some kind of um travel documentary yeah it was more um for example when i was in mexico it was the the time of the earthquakes there and i uh, went with my camera in hand um talking to people making good shots and trying to give an overview of what was happening over there so that it would come in the news here as well Mm -hmm. um i also wrote articles uh for their online uh, website that was it was on a voluntary basis, but it was kind of like just I've always wanted to be a journalist and it was uh-huh. to start off as a journalist and get some name um, uh, that people would know my name a bit here. Yeah. Do you think that set you up for later? Did that experience help you to write your book now? No, but I've always been involved in writing anyway. So I've mm-hmm. always been writing in, in notebooks and things that I'm thinking or feeling or even short stories. Um, so it's not as if I had to start from zero. I've I've always had something that's writing, um, and but not specifically in South America. It's not that it's all started there. No, uh-huh. I've always wanted to write a book. I just okay. never knew what to write about for my first book. Uh-huh. Okay, so there will be more books. Uh, yes, I'm already um, brainstorm. Well, I'm already starting off a second one um so i hope there's that's gonna be the start of many yes because that's really something i want to focus on in the future i want to go out of that corporate um copywriting um business and i want Mm -hmm. to yeah just do creative writing and making documentaries and more the creative process you know that sounds amazing uh Mm. can you give away some details about the next book or is it still all a secret (laughs) 
well it's not going to be a follow-up on my mm-hmm. uh, on my recovery but in some way it will be because it's going to be about body as well the body but more um how people are disconnected from their bodies and ways to like with alternative methods um ways to connect again with your body and why people try to fit in here but actually it doesn't you don't need to be i mean like every yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's still it's still um in the in the process of of uh, I, I mean i still need to find a good structure and stuff and but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be about body image and uh ways of uh dealing with trying to fit in and be okay with yourself okay it's not gonna be as cliche as it sounds again but because now it sounds like another yeah. self-help book yeah but it's not gonna be that case it's gonna be again with with insights of professionals and really like in-depth um investigations abroad as well and mm-hmm. so yeah yeah can we go a bit technical can you explain how the entire process will look from now from brainstorming to publishing this next book yeah so first thing is having a real good idea and knowing what the core concept of your book is going to be like it's not enough as I'm saying right now, it's going to be about body. No, it needs to be one specific theme. Mm-hmm. And then there can be more general information around it. But first start off with specific information and then laying out a good structure. Uh, that structure can still change over the course of uh, when you're writing. Um, but it's very important to know from the start. That's what I, also what I did with my other book, like the different chapters providing titles for each chapter and then copy and paste like all the writings and trying to make it fit in in each chapter and then adding professionals who are going to talk about it then adding exercises again so it's like all um cut paste um cuts again rewrites um adapting the 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 structure as well um yeah yeah and then the research, of course. Uh-huh. Is there anything you're going to do differently this time? Um, well, right. The, with my first book, I had to write a book in one month and a half. Because wow. my publisher really, like, they contacted me. We wanted to write about the documentary that we had already made. Um, but the deadline was, yeah, one month and a half away because they wanted to publish it right before the documentary would come out. And it needed to go to, you know, like marketing, then to the CEOs and the press and stuff. Um, so I think what's going to be different is that right now I'm going to have more time and I'm going to um, not put so much pressure on myself. And um, yeah, like take the time to have the full picture and to include as many aspects as I want to and not hurry. Mm-hmm. although i must say that it was quite good to have such a short deadline because that really incited me to continue writing day in day out um, mm-hmm. and if you don't have that deadline then you might like put it a bit off sometime or 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 yeah yeah so i'm i'm thinking now i read your book and a mm-hmm. big part of that book says i can't sit still i always need to do something but for my recovery, I need to sit still. Yep. And I feel that by giving you this very short deadline, that maybe the publisher was not respecting your recovery. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm sure that that was not their intention. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, it well, yeah, you could be right, but then again, it I was forced to sit all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe it put pressure on me emotionally and and like psychologically. Yeah. Although I was not that that stressed until the final edit, but then physically I had to all the time so that was a good thing I didn't have the time to go for a walk or to you know like I had to write I had to do it right then so I had to sit and also writing gives me not that much of a stress you know it's like also it was um, a process for me of um, making sense of everything and clearing some things up so in that in that regard it was good for my recovery Oh, uh-huh. okay. It had a therapeutic um, effect as well. Are you generally happy with the publisher? Because most people I talk to are self-published authors. Yeah, I would love to work with them again. If they would have me, um, I'd love to work with them again. They were a great help. Um, they responded very quickly all the time. Whenever I had a problem, they would listen to me or give me advice. Also, they took care of all the marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, they put me in uh, contact with somebody for the layout. And that person did just, she was everything I needed. I mean, I told her exactly what I wanted. I gave her the colors. I gave her some some uh, images and stuff. And she would just make, yeah, make the book that I really had um, in mind. Yeah. So I'm very happy, yes. Yeah, I think the editing was a was a great job. I liked the the like the little details with the flowers and the different colors and everything. Yeah, that it's just amazing. completely Laura, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want a black and white book, which I uh-huh. first had proposed. I mean, I really had a, had to fight for the colored book because then it would become more expensive. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Yeah, no, no." But I said, "Okay, if it's not gonna be a book in colors and with a lot of images, then there's not gonna be a book uh-huh. at all." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the end yeah they agreed and and they made it just like i want it awesome so it will only be sold as a hardcover yep yeah are you thinking about uh, like publishing it as an ebook later on yes and we're in um we're talking about that right now and also we're probably gonna make a podcast um of it okay as an audiobook or an actual podcast with conversations we're, we're still th- yeah we're still thinking or a podcast so that i can also give comments at the same time on what i wrote or an audiobook or maybe the both um yeah. but right now i'm still very busy with with mm-hmm. everything that has come after the launch of the book so it's it's going to be something for the winter i think okay that's that's awesome so you wrote this book you created the documentary what else was part of, of this entire um, package about your recovery? Well, after the documentary and the book came out, I, on social media, it just exploded. Um, I've been getting messages, like thousands of messages of people um, with different questions, like asking me for help, asking uh, advice on things, on, on food, on, on rest and movement, on the, this creation of self-love, then also about writing itself, like mm-hmm. people asking, well, how do you start writing? Um, and then, and yeah, it's just impossible. I was trying to answer everybody personally, but it's it's impossible to give a good qualitative response um, to, to everybody. So I decided that we would make an online course 
Um, so I created my website, lauraevilmonkey.com. And um, it's going to be a platform on which we provide um, online courses. So the first one is going to be published in December and it's going to be related to the upcoming holidays because mm -hmm. uh, people with an eating disorder really have a lot of stress surrounding food and um, these gatherings with family and friends. So it's going to be an online course uh, related to that. And then the second one is going to be published a month later or something on another topic or more general or, you know, so we're trying to, me and my boyfriend, we're trying to, you know, provide a full package. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. There's also one thing uh, that you didn't mention now, uh, but you mentioned in your book about your eight weeks to hot pants kind of like online course or program that you launched to gain weight uh, in eight weeks. It's related to... Um, something that maybe you're not so familiar with building in public have you ever heard of, of this no no so it's where you like you're creating something and while you're creating it you're sharing what you're doing how you're creating it so mm -hmm. what you did with these eight weeks and to hot pants is while you were creating it you were doing everything yourself and uploading everything on instagram yeah. So you're showing the people like, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm creating it. And like, these are all the steps of the way. Yeah. Um, so you're actually making a better product by sharing your daily, daily progress and getting feedback from people. Yeah. Is this something that you also considered for your book? Are you just going to write it for yourself and then here's the finished product? Or are you going to share like pieces as you write it? Um, I might be sharing... I mean, when I'm going to do the research, I'm going to share about it anyway. So I'm mm -hmm. going to have feedback on that. And I, yes, that's, I think social media has a really um, good impact on the writing process as well, in my case, because it's, uh, it's a topic that um, relates to many people. So many people can find themselves in my story, even though they don't have an eating disorder or they might not have that much of a body image. There's always something. It's it's all always fun. Everybody has their own mental struggle. So whenever I'm doing something, I get reactions and I try to um, include those remarks or these questions in my research. Uh, and I will definitely do so, yes. Because also, on the other hand, people might inspire me um, or they might come up with a, with a new idea or something that I wouldn't have thought of. And then I might investigate that as well yeah yeah that's what i that's what i meant that's always a, a big help yes then moving on to the next question you are a perfectionist right yes do you think that was a help or a struggle i think that was a help um because well yeah no it might have been a struggle but i wouldn't um, because I would write and rewrite, but then again, I think that's necessary to have a good book in the end. So I think my perfectionism also took a lot of work out of the hands of my publishers and the people who had to reread it. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, honestly, because they didn't have to make that many changes. They were quite like from the start, the first draft I sent them, they were like, yeah, we barely have any remarks. Um, so I think that might have come to the benefit of this book. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
you said there were very little edits um, from your editors. So did I have a look at like the copy editing or also at the structural uh, like flow of your book? Um, a bit of both. Like at the start, I just had to send over the structure of the book. Um, they added some things like, oh, maybe you could do this or that. But in the end, they actually, um, they just let me do my thing, to be honest. And then on the content itself, they made a few remarks or they were like, this is a bit too long or you might... Mm -hmm go a bit more deep in, in deep, deeper uh, into that topic but generally there were not that many um, remarks of them mm -hmm. um, what surprises me a little bit you're someone who says that you can't relax you can't sit still always need to do something mm -hmm. so it's quite remarkable that despite this you've like found the time to kind of relax and find the right structure to write your book because you know, to write, you also need time to think. Yes. Um, but then again, that's a creative process. And um, it's true, I cannot sit still, but it would often happen that I was taking a walk when I was out of inspiration and I would come back with so many ideas. Because um, like, right, we, we moved recently and we have this house uh, which is surrounded by beautiful nature here. Mm -hmm. And it's really inspiring um so i would then after my one hour walk uh, which i'm actually not allowed to do <laughs> but still after my walk i would come back totally refreshed and sit still for two hours and write 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 and that would really um it made me happy it made me uh, relaxed at ease and satisfied you know mm -hmm. do you have any other sources of creative input like walks where else do you get your ideas where do i get my inspiration um well i'm, I'm mostly the inspiration i take from my own life and from the the things i've experienced and i've lived but also um i dance and and dancing and music like a combination of the two inspires me as well um especially music mm -hmm. um can inspire me and then nature and spending time like where I don't have to think, but thoughts come thoughts come automatically, you know? Mm -hmm. Those moments. The sea, the beach. Yeah. Um, the way the sound of the waves, sounds. I'm really um, yeah, sounds inspire me. Also odors like um smells, smells mm -hmm. might might inspire me as well. So how does that relate to writing so can you explain like in detail like you like you hear the waves does that bring you ideas or is it just because it relaxes you no yeah it, both it relaxes me but also brings me ideas because it inspires me for example i it reminds me of of something from the past and then i'm like okay yeah i'm gonna write about um with a smell it might remind me of a childhood memory that i had long forgotten mm -hmm. and then i come up with a new idea again or yeah so in in that way it, it inspires me yeah and then you write about that in your journal or do you write about it publicly no i not publicly right now not sometimes on instagram i make a post and then i write some of my writings with it but um mostly it's still um, hidden and private until mm -hmm. i'm ready to publish uh -huh. how long have you been journaling 
for about two years, I think. But no, longer when I'm, always when I'm abroad, I journal, but then in Belgium, I, yeah, because of the hasty life here, um, yeah, I often forget or don't find the time to do so. But uh, since two years, I also try to, each morning I try, or evening I try to journal a bit. Um, and then it's mostly I talk about what I'm grateful for that day, because it's kind of therapy for me. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you write what you've been doing or what has been important that day, uh, or what you've learned or people you've encountered. So it's it's not journaling journaling but it's kind of this grateful mm -hmm. diary yeah yeah do you think that's been important for your writing has it helped you to write this book um yeah yeah it might because um writing it down writing down what you're grateful for um makes you appreciate more um small things like um, stupid things that I might write down might be um, a call that from my dad like my dad called me today he talked about that I wouldn't if I wouldn't write it down I wouldn't be as grateful for it um, mm -hmm. but now I, I really feel like oh he's so sweet and he called me just to say that and that means he's thinking of me and then I feel better yes it makes me feel better uh -huh. that's that's great um, so you also used some of your journal entries in your book, right? And I've noticed across these interviews that most authors journal. Um, is that something that you would recommend to people that want to write a book? Mm, yeah, I think if it's a book, well, if it's a nonfiction book, yes. Because mm -hmm. then years later, when you make, when you write about it and you reread those things, it all comes back, memories come back. And uh, I think that's really helpful in the creating process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then um, that's about it, what I prepared, prepared but there's always um, probably more things. So what's something that I didn't ask, but I, I should have asked? Yeah, well, um, I think it's really important to um, focus more on mental health because you know with the influence of social media I think it's um, especially young people they get influenced a lot they see those especially on Instagram they see those perfect lives of people who have the perfect body the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend um, they mostly they're sponsored by the most exclusive uh, brands mm -hmm. um, they travel to the most wonderful places in the world and their life just seems to be a hundred percent and all going well and without any issues and I think that it's not only for eating disorders but for developing any mental health problem that people might just be like shit what's wrong with sorry for the cursing what's wrong with my life and why am I feeling a bit under the weather or why why am I not having that boyfriend who's a model or those designer clothes or whatever or that body um, so they try to live up to the expectation because they try to live up to that image that they see, mm -hmm. but that's just impossible because many of those influencers don't share their the negative things that happen in their life because uh, they also have days that things mm -hmm. are not going well and they're breaking up as well with boyfriends and girlfriends and yeah. things might go wrong and maybe they're not even happy at all. Who knows? Like, 
you don't know you don't know what happens behind the screen mm -hmm. and that's something that i try to break um with my um with the new instagram that i made um mm -hmm. which is about the eating disorder but more about mental health because i share the good days and the good things but i also share whenever i'm having a very bad day or something bad happens and that's what people really appreciate the realness um yeah I'm real. I'm, I'm, I, I don't lie. I, I show them like, okay, right now I feel bad as hell because I just had to eat that. And it's, it's total attack on my body right now because I mean, my stomach cannot digest it and I just feel that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's what's maybe more needed, although more people are doing it right now. Also, celebrities are mm -hmm. trying to be more real, which yeah. I feel like but there still should be way more focus on that and also like help provided in real life for people struggling with, with mental issues well it should be more this negotiable people should be more open to it less of a taboo um, mm -hmm. and there should be more instances and, and 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 centers and you know like those day centers where people can just go to and talk and that does not this this breach of or, or this gap they have to cross um, or, or this this big step they have to cross or the the financial um, issues that they're not a, a problem and stuff because it's also help is very expensive. I mean, yeah. like psychologists sometimes ask 100 to 150 an hour, the ones I went to, and it's just crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. you cannot expect everyone to be able to pay that. Yeah, there's just not many places where you can... Um, go to if you struggle with mental health and like with my book i try to provide a small solution to that and that mm -hmm. people can resort to the book whenever they have an issue also to my social media to the online course they can just contact me whenever and i'm gonna try to in well whenever i i, I can mm -hmm. i'm gonna try mm -hmm. to provide a an answer a real answer to that yeah um, yeah where exactly can people find you they can find me via Instagram, which is Laura and her evil monkey. Um, but I have to I have the other Instagram account as well, which is more in English. But that's my more my travel account. And it's mm -hmm. called Laura Wonderland. But when it comes to mental health, Laura and her evil monkey, they can also contact me in, in English, of course, or in Spanish or French. I don't I don't care. Um, even in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they can also find me on Facebook. Um, or my website, contact me via my website, laura-evilmonkey.com. Okay, perfect. Or they might send me an email, laura at withlaura.com. <laughs> perfect. Many ways to reach you uh, with any yeah. uh, questions about mental health or eating disorders. And always welcome at my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> um, so what exactly are you hoping to reach with your book? My initial goal was um, if I can help one girl girl or one woman or one man, it's okay. But now I've already feel I, I feel like I've already helped a thousand of people when I see the reactions and the, the reaching out. So I think the goal has already been accomplished. But of course I try to reach a public as large as possible. Um, mm -hmm. To, to be able to well help or support at least or provide a little spark again in somebody else's life yeah i think it's um so it's a book directed at a very specific audience with a very specific like mental health problem well i read it and 
it made me think about certain things of my life again as well. So I used to be quite organized and and I stopped doing it. Like I stopped journaling, I stopped fasting, I stopped doing a lot of exercise because of circumstances and like just reading all of that just made me think about certain personal things as well. So I, I think it's a book. Um, as I said, it's just a very compelling story as well. So I think it's a book with a, a wider audience than perhaps the specific people that you target. Yeah, that's true. Because many people tell me that uh, there's so many people without knowing anybody with an eating disorder. Uh, and they tell me like, okay, I could really recognize so many parts um, of my life or, or of reality in it. Um, mm -hmm. And it made them think. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Are you planning a translation of this as well? Yes, but um, I've talked about that with my publisher. I would like to translate it into English, um, mm -hmm. but I need to wait uh, because they're going to see if there's, uh, well, other publishers who are interested in the UK or, uh -huh. and I can only go on with it in a year. So after one year, I can try to publish it in English. Okay. Well, by um, in one year time, you might have a little audience already for people here listening, eager to eager to read it. Yeah, well, that would be, that would be great, right? Everybody, read it, read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, two more questions. One, my opening question I always forget, so that I end up asking at the end, what is your favorite coffee? <laughs> black. <laughs> Just black. Strong black, yes. No milk, no sugar. Nope. Any sweeteners? Nope. Just Nothing like very strong in the morning. Just one in the morning? I used to drink three in the morning, which was too much. And then I did like this one, one month of drinking no coffee at all oh, to no. see what were the effects. Uh -huh. And I've experienced a lot of headaches during that month. And like, really, I had to kick off like, I had, it was rehab. So uh -huh. right now I'm promising myself I can only drink one strong coffee in the morning, then a decaf a bit later in the morning, and one in the afternoon I can also drink a normal uh, uh -huh. coffee. Yeah. So two, basically two coffees a day. Yeah, I should do that too. <laughs> do you do you relate coffee to writing, or is yeah, it? Yeah, because it's like I always want to have my my coffee cup. Like I even have it right now, my uh -huh. ball, yeah uh, cup. Um. I, it needs to be besides me to, to start writing at least. Yeah, I that's so relatable and it's a bit of a wrong connection. Like I know coffee writing and I like people end up drinking too much coffee, but it's you know it's it's great. Then the final question, Loda, what is your secret? My secrets. Uh-huh. I don't have that many secrets when it comes to writing or secrets in general. Uh, you can choose. My secret. Okay, my secret is that I dance a lot in my underwear when I'm alone in the living room. But nobody knows because we have we don't have um, any curtains yet on the uh -huh. front, so it's like at night everybody can just look straight into our living room. Uh -huh. uh, luckily, on the street because it's so quiet here, there's not that many people coming by at night but yeah I dance and I I have a crush on Jason Derulo that's also like I mostly dance on Jason Derulo <laughs> okay don't be surprised if you have people standing in front of your window uh, from now on 
<laughs> well, they don't know my address, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Perfect. Um, okay, that's it. Thank you very much, Laura. If you want to rip where people can find you and if, if you have any parting messages. Yeah, so many thanks for listening. People, if you have any questions or you just want to reach out or just talk with me, uh, you can always go to my website, which is laura-evilmonkey.com. Contact me via email, laura at witlaura.com or uh, find me on social media, which is Laura and her evil monkey. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Coffee and Pens podcast. So it was the last one of this year, but we'll be back next year with Andrew Warner from Stop Asking Questions and Step Smith from Doing Content Right. Meanwhile, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Coffee Pens and on Instagram at Coffee underscore Pens. Remember, you can always check coffeeandpens.com as well for podcast summaries and show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day.